Pastor Xavier Reese with this simple truth about stewardship and the Christian walk. We are said to be God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus that we might walk in those good works, Ephesians 2.10. The concept of being a steward or a servant of Christ is not only for apostles, as you know, but for all Christians, particularly for those who are called and involved in ministry. And if you're a Christian, you're called to be involved. There's not one exception. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. With any presidential election campaign season, pundits of the media conduct their ritual of demeaning the candidates. Well, it's no secret. Those who are in the public's eye are often the recipients of severe criticism. And according to Pastor Xavier, it's no different among God's chosen leaders. As he continues his important study in the book of 1 Corinthians, he brings us today's simple truths with an intriguing message rightfully titled, How Do You Judge God's Servants? Let's listen. In a book published in 1933, Dorothy Thompson related that it took her just 50 seconds after meeting Adolf Hitler to decide that, quote, she says, that formless, almost faceless man would never become the dictator of Germany. Here's how the Chicago Times in 1865 evaluated Lincoln's Gettysburg Address in commenting on it the day after its delivery. Quote, The cheek of every American must tingle with shame as he reads the silly, flat, and dishwater utterance of a man who has to be pointed out to intelligent foreigners as President of the United States. Too often our judgment, ladies and gentlemen, can be so wrong and short-sighted despite our certainty of being right. Impressions, opinions, feelings cannot make judgments. They make us wrong every time. The Corinthians were making judgments over human teachers, as you know, based on human worldly wisdom. As if they um, belonged to them. When in reality the apostles and teachers belonged to God. In chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, in their carnality they stated they gave their allegiance to teachers. Paul rebukes them. In verse 5 through 7, these men were mere instruments of God. One planted, the other watered, but it was God who gave the increase. He was the important one. Then in verse 8 and 9, the one who planted and the one who watered were one in unity. As fellow workers of God, and each will receive reward according to their call, enablement, and faithfulness, as we'll see. And then, in 18 through 20, Paul warned the Corinthians against deceiving themselves with worldly wisdom, but rather... To become fools for Christ that they might become wise. And he finishes off in verse 21 through 23. That they were not to boast in men by their judgments of one being greater than the other. They did not belong to them. But to God who alone will judge their faithfulness. 
In view of that, Paul instructed the Corinthians about the wrong perspective of apostles, the ministers of God. And he does it in three ways here. Let me read. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. Now, these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. For who makes you to differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Paul instructed the Corinthians about the wrong perspective of apostles, the ministers of God, in the following three ways. First, verse 1 and 2, Paul corrected their judgment of an apostle. He corrected. Secondly, 3 and 4, Paul critiqued their judgment of him as an apostle. And then 5 through 7, Paul confirmed the righteous judgment of all Including apostles. Let's begin here with Paul corrected their judgment of an apostle. Verse 1 and 2. Take note in verse 1. The apostle Paul declared they were to view a man of God. And the man that God uses the apostles as the property of God. This is important. Listen to his words. Let a man so consider us. Now, Paul is referring back to the last verse of chapter 3. The Greek presents the word so, at the beginning of the sentence, the word would be better translated, in this manner. In other words, in the same manner the Corinthians belong to Christ, the last verse, and Christ belongs to God. So we, Paul and Apollos, belong to God. Now, Paul is not suggesting this but rather commanding it. The word consider, the gizomai, means to reckon, to account. It's an accounting term having the idea of careful estimation of the reality. The Corinthians is not thinking in reality. The wrong estimation is by one's feelings, personal likings, or casual impressions of a person due to their appearance, charisma, or whatever it may be. We look at them and say, man, they're great people. And they're a bunch of rats. We look at someone and say, oh, he gives me the eebie-jeebies. And he's the greatest person. That's all subjective. Based on emotions and whatever. Now notice the one making this judgment is man, anthropos, man in general. Be they male or female. They were to conclude that Paul, Apollos, and any other person used by God belong to God. Very important. These men did not belong to to people, but were for the benefit of the people. Notice the apostle declared they were to account these men, the apostles, 
as subordinates of Christ. Subordinates. He says, as servants of Christ. Paul used a very picturesque word here. The word servant, uper edes, means an under-roarer. You know, you row on a boat, an under-roarer. The word was used of a galley slave on a trireme ship. In other words, there's oars on three levels. The top level, middle level, the lower level. These guys were on the lowest of level of the ship. And they would bear the constant burden and fatigue without relief. They were often the first to die due to the strain in this laborious task. Paul is talking about who they are as apostles. Later on, he gives a catalog of his life. Shipwrecked, beaten, the outscoring of the world. Great picture. The picture of subordination to authority is clearly implied in the authority of Christ. This is the only time the word is used in the letter to the Corinthians. But the word does appear 20 times in the New Testament. And it's translated by the following words. Officers, ministers, servants. With the consistent meaning of one who is subordinate to one of authority. And this is what's going on here. Okay. The Corinthians were Greeks as you know. And Greeks um, did not think very highly of manual labor and of serving. They believed in having others to do the work for them and to serve them. And so the entire concept of exalting men above who they were and comparing them was what they were accustomed to, the Corinthians. So they were taking the worldly culture and bringing it into the church as we've stated and they were judging in the same manner. That's wrong. This is what's going on in much of the church today. Listen to me. What we see going on in the secular world of all this indoctrination, all this deception about our nation, our history, and the truth of how bad off we are economically is the same thing that goes on in the church about the gospel of Jesus Christ today. People are believing all kinds of trash and false doctrine. Okay? That's the church of Laodicea. It's going to be the Antichrist church. Alright? I don't know if you might want to join it. The Apostle Paul declared, notice, they were to account these men, the Apostles, as men accountable to God. Listen to the words, and stewards of the mysteries of God. Paul uses a different word to give a more complete picture of God's servant here. The word steward, oikonomos, literally means a household manager or superintendent, and it's in the plural. He was a slave who was entrusted with managing and supervising the estate of his master. Jesus used it many times in the Gospels. He owned nothing of what he managed and was accountable for all the accounts given to him. Receipts, the oversight of other slaves, and the multiplication of the estate. A good example would be Joseph, you remember, who served as a steward to Potiphar in Egypt. He handed him everything and he multiplied everything. Okay? Now notice Paul specified the stewardship that would one day have to be given an account of before God. He's talking about the gospel. The word mystery, mysterion, has appeared already in chapter 2, verse 7. And it was in reference to the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. There, the word is used for many other things, the mystery of iniquity, the mystery of, of, of the rapture, of resurrection, different things, but here he's talking about the gospel. Now remember the word means something previously hidden but now made known. Such was the gospel hidden in ages past in the Old Testament but now made known in the New Testament. The new is concealed in the old and the old is revealed by the new. It's interpreted. Okay? Back in Genesis 3, uh, 12, 3, God said to Abraham, And you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That was a gospel. But they didn't recognize that. The New Testament interprets that for us and says that was a gospel. In other words, Christ Jesus crucified. He told us chapter 1, verse 23. That's the gospel. Jew and Gentile, one in Christ. Colossians 1, 26 and 27. Genesis 12, 3. And you shall have families that there be blessed. Colossians, Jew and Gentile, one. The gospel. This is a mystery. The steward of God, notice, was entrusted with the gospel to increase the proclamation of the good news to lost sinners and to increase the number of saved souls. Because the power of salvation is in the power of the gospel. Jew and Gentile. Now look at verse 2. The apostle Paul declared they were to comprehend that these men, the apostles, were to be loyal to Christ as his servants and stewards. Very important. Listen, moreover it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Paul stated the individual accountability was to the Lord. Very important. Some people think that ministers or people who serve the Lord belong to other people and they're responsible to them. They need to do what they tell them. No, 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 no. We belong to the Lord. It's very important. The article is present. The stewards. The one the Lord called out and sent. The one who planted. The one who watered. As he said in chapter 3. The requirement is, is that one... He moves from the plural to the singular. God does not grade on the curb. I hate to tell you that. Each person will give an account for their call. All of us are called to do something. All of us are given gifts to be able to do that. And all of us will have to give an account whether we were faithful to do what God has called us to do and enabled us. Now, Notice Paul stated the ultimate test of a steward over his master's good. You ready? To be found faithful. Dirty word today. You don't even hear it in church anymore. <laughs> Everything's all about prosperity. And how you, as a divine kid, have the right to be healthy, wealthy, and nab it and grab it and confess it, positive, don't be nothing negative. And all this junk that seed faith, where do we get this stuff? The word faithful means one who is reliable, trustworthy, dependable, and honorable. Not ability, not talent. Does that surprise you? That's what ministries and pastors are always focusing on, rather than faithfulness. The word uh, as an adjective appears 66 times in the New Testament. The word is used of the Lord. 
commending a servant in the parable of the talent, well done, thou good and faithful servant, Matthew 25, 23. The word is used of God as he called the Corinthians into the fellowship of his son in chapter 1, verse 9. God is faithful, reliable, trustworthy. The word is used of men to whom the gospel was to be committed to to pass on to others in 2 Timothy 2, 2. Faithful. I have seen many men who started to walk with God when I did and they have not been faithful to the gospel. Either to live it or to pass it on. It's a heartbreak. Now the requirement of a steward was that he be a person who could be entrusted with whatever is state of affairs. He was known for his diligence. He was known for his honesty. He was known for his character. He was known for his reputation. If your reputation is not based on character, your reputation is false. Simple. The concept of being a steward or a servant of Christ is not only for apostles, as you know, but for all Christians, particularly for those who are called and involved in ministry. And if you're a Christian, you're called to be involved. There's not one exception. Every member of your body has a function, serves a purpose. That's the illustration in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. Not one exception. Sadly, this is not the case often. and Sadly, this is lost too often in ministry. Sadly, at times, those in ministry, rather than being subordinate to Christ, act as those who are superior to Christ. Sadly, rather than serving the people, they desire the people to serve them. They want people to applaud them, to cater to them, to buy them things, to do all this thing. That's not what the church is about. I'm not here for you to applaud me. I'm not here for you to compliment me. I'm not here for you to buy me birthday presents or give me money or anything else. I'm here to do one thing, is to teach you the Word of God. That's all I'm here to do. Jesus said that he who wants to be great among you must be the servant of all. The concept of being a steward of the gospel Again, it's not limited to an apostle, but for all believers. Second Corinthians 5.20 says, We are called ambassadors of Christ to plead and implore with the lost to be reconciled to Christ. Because we know what it is to be lost. We have the love of Christ constraining our heart. We are said to be God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus, that we might walk in those good works. Ephesians 2.10 James tells us the faith without works is dead in James 2.17 Paul has already told the Corinthians that at the Bema Seat of Christ, each man will be rewarded for their genuine work. 1 Corinthians 3.13. We'll get into it a little bit more as we move on in the passage. Now the quality of faithfulness in the steward is not the rule in the church of Jesus Christ today, though it should be. I don't say this smugly, I don't say this proudly, I say this very soberly and broken hearted. Because every church should be a gleaming light as an example of servanthood to the community and their city. And the church is so corrupt and so contaminated today with our culture and the corruption of ethics that I'm amazed that God doesn't fry so many people like he did in the Old Testament. You understand? People serve in their stewardships to exalt themselves or 
raise a following at times. As Paul spoke in chapter 3, verse 21 through 23. He says, all things are yours. What are you doing choosing and dividing and, and all this stuff? I'm amazed how many people divide churches, bring trouble to the pastor, to whatever it is. People at other times get lifted up in their work and are taken in by the compliments of the people being exalted and then through pride, Satan destroys them even though they may not be novice. According to 1 Timothy 3.6, we shouldn't put a novice in. Paul corrected the Corinthian judgment of an apostle. He corrected the Corinthian judgment. Notice secondly now verse 3 and 4. Paul critiqued their judgment of him as an apostle. In verse 3, the apostle Paul declared to them that he was neither impressed nor discouraged by their human judgment of him. Listen to his words. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by human court. Paul told them that it was an insignificant matter that he should be judged by them. I love Paul. He says, I don't sweat you, he says. <laughs> you don't impress me. He's speaking about their subjective conclusion about him, not objective truth. We are to judge words, actions, morals, conduct, when it deviates from Scripture and when what is being taught is contrary to Scripture. That's a given. The context here is subjective, not objective truth. He will use it for the Corinthians judging the smallest matters among them in 1 Corinthians 6 2. When we get there, they were going to courts with each other, pagan courts. He will use it for himself as the least of the apostles in chapter 15, verse 9. Now, the word judged means to examine, scrutinize, and investigate as a judge and decide a final verdict. This is what they were doing. Now, notice Paul concluded. Or should I say included also human courts. Now, he's referring to a set collective group judgment. He's, he's, he's using kind of irony here. He's not talking about literal courts, but that a group of people, not only individual would pass judgment, but a group of them would pass judgment on him. Okay? As a court. The apostle was not being arrogant or prideful. But he knew that their human judgment was imperfect and biased at best, inferior to whose? God's. It wasn't based on any objective truth. It wasn't based on any facts. This was due to two things. They were judging with worldly wisdom, being carnal. Chapter 1, 2, and 3. And they were unable to see the motive of the heart. There's the problem. Notice the apostle also knew that they were not his master to whom he gave an account of his servanthood and stewardship. Jesus had called and enabled Paul, as you know, on the Damascus road. He sent them from Macedonia and from Athens over to Corinth. Jesus worked through him to establish the church at Corinth. The Lord Jesus would hold him accountable for his service and stewardship. No one else. That didn't mean that somebody couldn't confront Paul if he, he did something wrong. Paul got in Peter's face. Call him a hypocrite. 
So we got that in scripture. The Lord sees all things. The Lord hears all things. The Lord knows all things. Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about judging. And you can request a copy of today's challenging study called How Do You Judge God's Servants? As always, it's available on CD for just $4. Receiving your own copy makes a convenient way to share it with someone in your Bible study or Sunday school class when you're through. The title once again is How Do You Judge God's Servants? Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please don't forget to include the call letters of this station when you contact us. What does it take to be a good leader? Find out when you join Pastor Xavier Reese. That's right here next time on Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 